right. Welcome to another edition of the CSA podcast. And today we are doing another of our series of interviewing security leaders around the world. And I've got a great guest today, one that many of you uh, will know, uh, Lior Frankel, CEO and founder of Waterfall Security Solutions. Lior is, a, is certainly an entrepreneur and a business executive. He's known for that. He's a problem solver. We've gotten to know each other over the years, and I know they love stinking his teeth into solving things, you know, figuring out how to fix a problem. But he's also a father, an off-road adventurer. He's a cooking uh, expert, and he likes to smoke meat with something he and I have in common. His nature, his, his origins uh, as a coder, he is also a competitive shooter. So he's a man of many talents and interests, and he's been applying those to cybersecurity now for many years. Uh, welcome to the show, Lior. Thank you for uh, inviting me, and I'm hoping uh, this will be an uh, interesting uh, episode. I think it will be. I, since I have the advantage of knowing you, um, I think there's some interesting things for us to talk about. I always like to go back uh, and, and talk to people's origin story. You know, if there are modern day superheroes, cybersecurity people have to be in that category, and every superhero has a backstory. So uh, let's go back to yours. You know, where do you grow up? What's your origin story? I'm Israeli. I was born and raised in Israel, born in 1974, so I'm like 46-ish now. Almost all of my, my life I was living in, in the south part of Israel, relatively rural, not big city, but more like villages and stuff like that, which I really preferred. First uh, encounter with technology was when my my folks bought my older brother a computer when when I was eight, he's a, a few years older than me, so he was all about basketball and girls, and I was eight, so he went out to play basketball and look for girls, and I took his computer and started exploring it. I never left the keyboard since, so taught myself how to code. Back, back then in Israel, we're talking about, uh, what, like uh, 80, 1980s. Uh, back then in Israel, they would not teach you computer at school. Uh, there was no labs around, there, were, there was nothing. So I had to teach myself how to code, had to read English because we didn't have too many coding tutorials. There was no internet back then. For me, the, 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 key, the, the ability to, to write codes and, and to see something happening, it's amazing, you know? And I just started doing a lot of whatever I could, coding small games, stuff, fun stuff, whatever whatever I could, and expanded both deeper and wider. We talked about it earlier that the computer back then, I had an Apple II Plus that you would connect to your uh, home TV. It was crazy. Looking back then, I, you know. You still have it, right? I mean, not, not for everyday use, of course, but... Oh, no, I wish not. I had my first one, you know, it's just up on a shelf somewhere. Like, there it is. <laughs> I know, I know. It, it was so expensive back then that when I bought the new one, my folks sold this like secondhand. Yeah, well, you know, this. It's, I'm glad you jumped to that. I, I always like to ask where technology intersects with somebody's life. It's not always as early as, as yours, but it's it's pretty common for it to be pretty early on there to be to be some sort of exposure to it. And uh, for you, it was love at first sight, right? I mean, your hook, it sounds like from then on, as you said, you never left the keyboard. Yeah, and uh, so I later down the road, so I, I, I did go to 
to courses and I found people that knew how to code and they they coached me. But learning by yourself and you know banging your head on on a problem until you solve it that's that's always been the way to learn. I think at at my peak I would write in seven or eight different programming languages and on several different platforms. None of those I've, I've learned formally. Not saying that formal uh, learning is, is wrong, but for me, it's the best way is real-life experience. You know, give me a problem and I'll find the tool to solve it. If the tools is writing in, in a C language, I will learn C and, and write it and see if it's better to do it in, I don't know, back then, uh, Visual Basic. We'll do it in Visual Basic. All of those were just tools to to help you solve a problem. You use what you can and, and you get what you can and you learn as needed. There were always around me people that were 10 times more experts in this specific language than me. They were like gurus in writing databases or, or you know, graphic motions and stuff like that. I was never a guru in anything specific. I was very good in getting to what I need in anything specific and then using other people to, if I needed to get in any, any deeper. Potential, you know, listeners of the show know I'm always looking for uh, nuggets. And I think you, you've you touched on one there. Your particular journey was to get a certain level of experience in a wide variety of technology. And then that made you very, you could see how all the pieces came together versus saying, you know, and we've all met the folks that are really deep in one area. And you know what? Sometimes those people are extremely valuable. You reference using having team members or people that you rely on. So it's not to take away from the specialist, but a choice that a person can make. And the choice you made was, I'm going to learn about all these things. And do you think today as a serial, you've created multiple companies, you've been a part of creating multiple products, both commercially and, and we'll get to it in the, in the military. Do you think that that paved the way for that? That you you made you perfect for serial product, you know, envisioning, producing, creating. It's, it's looking at all the puzzle pieces at the same time. You know, you need to take one step backward. What's important to me is to solve the problem, not to be the best C programmer. If I need to learn something really deep, I would do that. There were areas that I was an expert in, but even then. It was just because I had to do it to solve the problem. What's important for me, the, the reason that I do what I do is because I have a problem that I need to solve. I have colleagues and people around me that for them, being an expert in a field, that's what they need. That's what makes them happy, that, that they wake up and they want to be the best something in the world. I don't think like that. I have a target, usually it's a problem, but it, you know, it, I have a target. I do whatever I need, usually not more, but I do e e everything I need to get to the target. Those targets were on the technology side. So I learned computers and I learned languages and I learned technologies. But at the end, all of that is a way to solve a problem. When you open up a company, when you are an, an, an entrepreneurial and, and, and you start a, a new thing, being able to see the target, find the right tools, some of them by yourself, 
you learn what you need to learn, you do what you need to do, you get as deep as you need to. But also, you know, there are other people that around that, that they know stuff that I don't. And some of them are smarter than me and some of them are more expert than me and I can use them to get to the target. The most important thing is to solve the problem, to get to where you need to do. For me, at least, it's not doing it myself, not just doing it myself. So I think, I think this ability is one of my strengths. There are many ways to, to succeed in stuff, but I think for me, that's, that's one of my, uh, my strengths and one of the, uh, the capabilities that got me to where I am now. So let's, let's talk about then the interim years before you start your, your first company. Although I think you started some things even before you maybe would formally say your first company. A defense obligation is part of uh, living in Israel. And so I know that's in there somewhere. So you're studying on your own. You're pursuing your own interests. Another, I suppose that's another nugget. And then you're not the first guest to talk about this, which is just dive in, start learning some of this stuff. Because we say, where do I start? You know, we'll start by starting. Um, and your philosophy is start with some sort of target in mind. And so I would assume you could have big targets or you could be eight years old and have small targets. But nonetheless... Yeah. Try to solve something, try to fix something, try to create something at, you know, what, what's your educational and defense, you know, before you formally start your first company and you're out, you know, as a business person and, and technology entrepreneur, what are the interim years? I finished high school, through high school, I developed this uh, educational software. Initially, it was like a school uh, thing, but after that, it, it just became a product and it was sold. So there were a lot of customers in, in, in Israel for that, and it was nice. So it was this uh, uh, a software that teaches you physics for uh, exams in, in high school. So, so I, had, I had a coach. She was a, a, a doctrinal physics. So she was the subject matter expert, and I was the developer. And together we created this, this software. The first time I, I, I got into a, a school lab, so many people sitting on computers, all running my software, all learning from from it, using it from it, you know, benefiting from it. It was a real charge. Uh, yeah, it, some of it is is an ego boost that that you get. You know, it's something you. I, I wrote that. Everybody's now learning from it. It's it's amazing, and some of it is is this like a fatherhood feeling. You know, you, there's something that that you you brought to the world, and now it's now it's out there, and people are using it, and it's progressing by, by itself it, it it was an amazing feeling okay. uh, something that, that i remember as, as if it was yesterday you know it, it's something that i'm always trying to to repeat so i was probably 17 then and we took the software and we just packaged it found found this company that was selling software they started reselling it and i started getting a lot of money it was crazy you know i was 17 People were doing babysitting and, and working in, I don't know, grocery shops. And I was getting a shitload of money. This click between technology, me being able to actually create stuff that, that works and getting a lot of money out of it. This is when it all, <laughs> everything was, you know, uh, 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 like baked into one one story where I, I started my career. Yeah, that's a and light bulb moment, right? Like, I love doing this, and I could do really well financially doing this. Hey, that's you know? that. <laughs> yeah, that's like gave me the 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 direction. Finishing high school in Israel, usually you go directly to to military service around three years. 
I, I was lucky enough to to have another option to go to uh, first to the university and then to the army service. So I went to learn uh, computer science and, and statistics. When I finished, I, I, I went to a six-year service term in, in the Israeli Air Force. By itself, an amazing experience from a kid, you know, writing code. Uh, you become, you start developing stuff which which is real. You know, it's software that operates uh, airplanes, airborne systems, things which, you know, that cost tens of millions of dollars run on, on code that I wrote. It's amazing. Your physics, uh, your physics training program that didn't that wasn't tens of millions of dollars. <laughs> not yet, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I get your I, I get your point. You know, I, I was a young uh, military uh, person as well, uh, not not writing the systems, but working, operating them, leading people who were running them, and I was in awe of that. I'm like, wow, I'm I'm twenty whatever twenty twenty two twenty three years old and. It's, it's something to be, it must be something to be, you look at and say, that thing works and the way it operates, I help make it, you know, it's that, it's like you said, the birthing, uh, you know, fatherhood kind of feeling, I suppose. Um, yeah. Um, quite amazing. In the Israeli Air Force. So I had two main like positions in, in, in the Air Force. The first one was the one that I just described. And the second one, the longer one, I was in a, a very unique uh, research and development uh uh, unit uh, um, developing uh, strategic, futurist almost capabilities for the Israeli Air Force. Uh, amazing position. I, I naturally cannot get into any details about it. When I finished my service, probably I was 27 back then, started my first real company uh, as a grown-up. I had a friend back then who had quite a similar path like me. So we finished our service three months from each other, and we started a company called Gita Technologies, uh, where the main business model, the main target of the company was, we do not want to work for nobody. That was it. We, we didn't have any clear idea at that point, or, you know, like a specific thing, let's, let's go a company that does this. We were just fresh out of the, out of the, the service, and we said, you know, I, I'm not going to be an employee nowhere. I, I don't want any bosses. I don't want any structure around me. I don't want to go work in this big company. You know, we just started. We opened up a company, started. So we went to our friends and said, hey, guys, do you have any work for us? You know, we we really good at coding. So do you need anything? And at the beginning, we just did uh, everything. Whatever, you know, anybody would throw at us, we'll just do regardless no technological focus, no business focus, you know, just getting some money in and being able to to pay our rents and, and get some food on the table. But that, that was that. Relatively fast, we focused on where both of us, our strengths were, you know, we, we were out of very, um, very unique technology units in the army. We had capabilities in security and today they call it cybersecurity back then they had other, different names for it started focusing on on projects in the area of computer warfare that this is the, the military term that was used before cybersecurity before information warfare or computer warfare uh, and we built up this company Gita Technologies as a defense contractor for the Israeli intelligence community building amazing technologies 
most of them, if not all, uh, on, on the offensive side. No external funding, no VCs, no nothing. We started just the two of us, grew it slowly at the beginning. When we started focusing on these areas, so we brought in our friends that we worked with before and, and built a very nice company back then. And we learned everything from zero. I have no idea what an invoice is. I don't know what's cash flow. I, I We just didn't know shit. I go, Like my father had an accountant back then, a friend of him. He said, okay, you work with him. And we sat with this guy and he taught us you know, this is an invoice. You need to do this. This is how you get the money. This is how you write. We, we just didn't know nothing. We, we we would have people just working on, hey, come work for me. I'll pay you this and that. Let's start. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. We did a lot of mistakes. I can write the whole book on how not to do stuff at the beginning. I'm more of a on-the-job training person than, than a formal you know, education guy, although I have the, the education and I have the, the degrees and stuff. But the way I really uh, internalize stuff is trying, failing, trying again, making it right, moving forward. We did a lot of failing and trying again. Yeah. We grew a very impressive company that at, at the end was acquired by a um, defense contractor in Israel. Now I am in, in Waterfall. Okay, I'm, I'm a CEO of, of Workforce security, and we are protecting industrial facilities from remote attacks. Doing what we were doing at Git Technologies, okay, offensive cyber technologies, offensive computer warfare. The thing that we repeatedly succeeded in was getting in through perimeter security of the targets. You would never fail. Okay, it doesn't mean that every planned uh, campaign worked, but the thing that did not fail was getting in. Getting in means there's somewhere a firewall between their networks and the outside world where this firewall you need to get through because you need to get inside and then do whatever you want to do. Started to get this uneasy feeling saying, hey, our infrastructure in Israel, those that are connected outside, are secured by firewalls. The same firewalls that we are getting in through to our targets. Really smart guys, and we are the best in the world in what we do, but we are not the only smart guys out there. There are other people, they know how to do what we are doing. And the fact that we are getting in time after time, penetrating perimeter security and getting into the targets means that we are vulnerable. Our infrastructure is 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 vulnerable at the same level, and it started to bug me, uh, you know. And and I started to say, hey, that's this is something that we need to solve. It's good for us that we are successful. Also bad for us as, as citizens of the free world that we are successful. So this this trips that uh, your 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 favorite uh, button, which is like a problem. A problem yeah. that needs to be solved. This one just maybe was a bit bigger and, and a whole company in the latter, uh, you know, uh, 11 years of your life has been about, about solving that problem, right? Yeah, exactly. The Kind of the story arc there and uh, very early on, and you, you re- referenced it a little bit, security 
security, obviously, with Gita Technologies, that's central to it. Um, is there a security element that you get more and more introduced? Obviously, your, your, your formative years, it wasn't about security. You go in, you do your military years. That is where you got your probably your exposure to it. And then Gita was 100 percent focused. I mean, this is is this, a you know, in all the areas of technology you could be involved in. It does look at one point then you went down this road. And like you yeah. say, the term has changed over the years, information security and cybersecurity down. But the, nonetheless, that area captivated you. And now you've stayed in that realm ever since, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I just like it. It's this a game of, of cats and dogs and, and, and one and, you know, depending on wh- where I'm at, but defending something which is really important as we do today, protecting the world's most important facilities from transportation and, and subways to power plants to, you know, oil, oil and gas systems and, and all of that. Back in the days, being able to penetrate the them and being able to attack them for whatever whatever need is, is is there for me it's like the right balance between the challenge uh, how much meaningful what you do is either assisting my country in its uh, national security targets or protecting the world's infrastructure against external attacks it's it's something which is very gratifying it's something that i come back home after a day's work or after a week in another country, the world is, is, is a bit safer uh, now that I'm back, w- what we did in la- last week. There are a lot of technological challenges there. There are a lot of technological uh, um, issues there in these types of areas, but together with the fact that it's really important, it's important on, on, on a national level, you know, this is where I like to be. Yeah. Uh, f- f- fulfillment uh, that, that has to, you know, check off that box of feeling feeling some some really uh, solid personal fulfillment there. Um, you, you touched on something, kind of your stories of where you saw problems and you went to go and solve them and businesses were born out of that. We do know we have members who are in various industries around the world and they're they're seeing problems. I thought this might be interesting. I often ask guests to go back and give their younger self advice and say, you know, what would you tell if you were sitting across from 20-year-old, you know, Lior, you know, what would you tell him? But maybe also, maybe this is a flavor in your unique position to be able to say, look, if you're working in some major petrochemical company and you you see this cybersecurity-related problem and you have a solution in your head, what advice would you give that person about doing something about that and taking advantage of that? Maybe jumping out of what they're doing to create a business around it, but how would they go about doing that? A lot of people don't really know how to take those first steps. So maybe it's a bit of advice to your younger self or advice to advice to somebody who's got a great idea that they, you know, they see the problem and they, and they think they know how to solve it. What do they do with that? It's a tough one, but I would say don't invest too much in planning. Don't invest too much in preparation. Don't invest too much in can I do it? Can't I do it? You know, what do I need to have in place? Which boxes do I need to have checked before I can start? If this is what you're thinking, don't go that path. You are not an entrepreneur. This is not the right field for you. Do something else. Because the only way to succeed in creating something new and building a company from scratch is resolution in your head that you will succeed no matter what and just go and do it nobody will tell you how to there are no 
script for that. There's no recipes. It won't work if I just got this in place and that one. And I, you will have so many challenges. You'll have so many problems. You'll have so many things against you from day one until the last day. You just need to really believe in what you, you, you want to do and really believe that you can. All the rest, just you know, fix it as, as it goes. I'm seeing a lot of people, especially you know, those that, that are coming like fresh from MBAs and fresh from university, and they have this idea, and now they're starting to plan because they have these textbooks about what is a company, how does it look like, you know, what do you need to have, and it, it's perfect but you can't create something new like that. If you just want to join a big company and, and make it work better and, you know, or take something that's there and make it work faster, you, you're probably better in that than me. If you have a new idea, a new solution, something that's new to the world and you want to make it happen, you just need to go and make it happen. You, you need to plan. Okay, you need to think, of course. You need to have this, like, big picture plan. But when you start going to the details, that's where people start to to defocus because it doesn't work like that. The second uh, thing that people need to think it's, it's about, it's in the same realm, but everything works against you. When you start a company, everything works against you. You can see that in the statistics of how many people have ideas, let's call them entrepreneurial ideas, Take that number compared to the number of people that actually manage to create a successful company, whatever you define it, and your infractions of percentages. This means that everything works against you. So you need to assume that, you know, this is part of, if you are not willing to fail and, and fail again and do what you believe that is, is the right thing and get slammed in the head and go back and do it again, you're not in the right place. If you try, you fail and you say, okay, we failed. It might not be a good idea. Let's do something else. You are not in the right world. This is not the game for you. You need to try. You will fail, but you'll say, no, I'm right. Not in the proud way. You know, not in saying, you know, I'm the smartest guy in the world and I know and everybody else is wrong. But I know that I have a solution to this problem or I know how to fix that or I know how to do this better and I'll do it. This way didn't work, so I'll change it a bit and I'll do it again. That didn't work, I'll do it again. You know, and after 30 times, you know, after 100 times, you'll succeed. If you stop after the first, after the second failures, you will never succeed because you will have, again, everything is against you. People don't like new stuff. People are used to buy this type of product. Why are you wasting my time trying to convince me to buy a new thing? People have invested in their time and reputation and money in you know, doing things in this way. Why are you coming and telling them that they were wrong? It's all against you. You're the small one. They are the big ones. You, you don't have money. They have money. It's all like that. So you need a lot of persistence, resolve, yeah. resolve and persistent 
by doing that, and again, this is again, Warfall is not my first company. It's, it's not my, I think my, my my fifth. We didn't get to all of them, but those that were successful, and not not all of them were. We tried and we tried again. When you try enough, good things start happening. You you start getting luck. You start getting lucky. You know, and and then you need to see those those opportunities and catch them and use them because those are the only things that really works for you. You know, I, I would love to say that I planned everything from start and it's working as I planned it. I really know how to do it, but, but it, it doesn't work like that. You have this idea, you try and then you try again, and then there's something that works for you. There's some amazing luck that happens, an opportunity that's out there. Catch it, use it. So you need to play enough in the game Try and try and try, and when there's an opportunity, a good one, use it. Those are the most valuable things in a company's life. It's not easy to do that. There's no roadmap. There's no path you can follow. There's no textbook that anybody can tell you how to do it. But if you try and analyze all the successful people that that do stuff in in our area and, and the successful companies, even those that say that they planned and they say that things worked as they planned, if you analyze that, it didn't. They were just smart enough to stay in the game, to be persistent, to believe in what they do, catch those opportunities and use them. If anything, th- this is the, the most important thing that I think people should should take and, and, and use if, if they want start, to start a, a company of their own. Well, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, you know, my own story is is 20 plus years of entrepreneurship and businesses, kind of like yours, smaller businesses before those years. And you're right. If I if I paraphrase and you can tell me if it's correct, but this is another one of those big walkaway nuggets that we're looking for in these interviews, which is don't overplan, don't overanalyze. You know, analysis through paral- paralysis through analysis is a real thing. Do some of that. You, you said it. You know, do some of it. I mean, you wouldn't do. You wouldn't just like walk out the door and, and you know without any planning. But don't overweight those and get right to doing, trying to solve the problem, and to use your you know your focus language. So get to solving right, and then pivot, yeah. adjust. There's going to be permutations. There's going to be hijinks along the road, and your ability will be not to have been originally absolutely right. It will be your ability to have maneuvered those that course right. Exactly. Exactly. That seems to bear out uh, everything I've seen in the last 20, 25 years. That is that is true. So I think if any of you, any of our listeners are bring entrepreneurial, you know, dreams uh, in this area, it's a great industry, lots of unsolved problems and with no end in sight in that. So that's a that's a good entrepreneurial soup, so to speak. Maybe that's the, the, the one of the best walkaways of today is start to try to solve the problem as quickly as you can and and then get an experience from that. You know, so maybe that's a test case or, a you know, a pilot somewhere, or, you know, get write it up and, and put it in use or simulate it at least, you know, get an experience. Right. Get data, get get something to come back and start informing your decision making and your adjusting, of course. Right. Yeah, exactly. Well, awesome. That is a great share and near and dear to my heart uh, for, for the, those would be entrepreneurs out there. Let's talk a little bit then about just what excites you about the future. What are you looking for? And, you know, what are you looking, what, what do you think is ahead that maybe is going to be a big, big in this industry, especially as it pertains to the control system environment, which could could, could include, you know, all sorts of IoT and IIoT systems. 
there is this this move, and I'm, I'm, I prefer to stay on on the industrial cybersecurity and maybe on the IIoT side. The wider, let's call it IoT and stuff, it's a bit far from our core. That there is an amazing movement towards upgrading systems in the industrial world from the bigger plants, from the power plants, from the you know oil rigs and platforms and chemical plants and all of those to relatively smaller ones like like the substation and, and other places and, and going towards building management systems and facility management. And, and you see this amazing upgrades and amazing evolution from analog and ele- electrical systems to to smart systems, you know, to systems with computers, with logic, uh, with integration, with, with, you know, a holistic view, with integration between different systems. And it's amazing. You know, I think it's one of the most exciting evolutions that we have in, in our lifetime. Security, which is the derivative that, that we are part of, is lagging in, in that evolution. I think people are... I don't want to say rushing, okay, because I don't think that they're rushing, but I think people are moving with this evolution, with this this benefits and advancements of the new technology uh, um, that is used these days. They don't really take into consideration what will happen at the end game when everything is connected when everything is accessible, when everything can be manipulated from remote by people which are not your people, by systems which are not your systems. Um, and I think, and, and, and we, we, we are starting to see this already, that there is now like a, a small whiplash where we see asset owners and 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 utilities and others saying you know yes we want everything but you know we were just hit two months ago by a ransomware attack we do not want that again two years ago people would just say you know they they would either say we need security because we are required to so we'd use it or you know, it will be okay. You know, this vendor says it's secure, so it's secure. We're we're happy with that. Let's, you know, let's connect everything. We'll put a router there. We'll put a firewall here. We'll connect it to a cloud. And look, so many benefits. You know, it's so cost effective. We we are now able to to monitor everything. We're not, we can use less people on site. It's it's amazing, and I'm I'm all about it. Of course, it's amazing, but there's a dark side with it. Without putting the right protections, without designing it the right way, without saying, you know what, maybe doing this to the full extent is really cost effective, but we need not to go 100%, we need just to go 80%, because the last 20%, that's that's where we will get hit. And we're starting now to see this rationalism coming back and customers saying, yes, I understand, but we can't allow everything to happen from remote. We can't have everything accessible from remote. We can't have, I can't really control a big infrastructure from a centralized system remote over the internet 
and assume everything will be okay all the time. It, it just doesn't work like that. The next stage in the industry would be a, a more mature stage where we'll start seeing customers and, 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 and utilities and infrastructures and, and uh, um, airports and, and, and other places where our customers are at saying, yes, we want all of these new stuff, but we need this with real security there. You know, we want to understand that it's secure. We, we can't just, you can't just say it's secure. You know, we can't just assume it's secure. We want to understand it's secure. We want to understand the full risk that we have. If we want to take the risk, we'll take the risk. And most of them, if there is that risk, they won't take it. But they want to understand the risk. They want to analyze it by themselves, not just trust the vendors or trust people saying that. And, and they want to put their own risk profile and their own, uh, how do you say it, like to accept the risk that they want to take and, and defend themselves against those that they do not want. For me at, at, at Waterfall, this, this is super exciting because you know we, we've built the whole company for, for this time in the market. We're, we're doing extremely uh, successful so far. You know, we're you know, uh, deploying our systems in probably every type of critical infrastructure and industrial site you know, globally. Some of it for customers that, that need to, to be, uh, which are under you know, regulations and so on, they need to support them. And some of those because they understand the security risk. But the bigger market, the, the wider market, of, of people that are, are now starting to, to deploy both modern systems and, and secure systems are getting to those projects in, in a way which I think it's much wiser than, than before. What, what we have, that the technology that, that we developed in Waterfall is, is fit exactly for how the market is moving forward. And, you know, so I'm I'm very excited about that. I'm looking forward for uh, you know an, an amazing future for, for us. As I said before, everything is against us, so we are always prepared to hit our heads on something and then try again. Well, thank you for an awesome share of your uh, the chapters of your your book, so to speak, your journey. And uh, and casting kind of a a vision for uh, for the future, and and I uh, I appreciate you you in your time, uh, Lior Frankel, founder and CEO of Waterfall Security Solutions. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you, Derek. Thanks for the opportunity. And um, you know we have a date for uh, smoking some beef, so we'll do another podcast. <laughs> you know, COVID has to get out of the way so that we can uh, we can get to the really important things, right? Yeah, yeah, indeed. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Take care. Be well.